the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. If you don't have your Bibles, have it on the overhead there. But 1 Peter is in the end of the, the Bible towards the very back. 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to go to verse 14. Somebody say amen when you get there. Y'all are quicker than me. All right, so it says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Thank you all for coming today. You are released. I said that last week, didn't I? Well, it's because God's word gets right to the point. What do you say after that? Live like God's obedient children. That's the whole message. You know, where do you go from there? But I guess we'll expound on it just so we say we did. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You remember back before you knew Jesus, your old way of living. You had your own desires. You didn't care nothing about God's desires at that point. But it says, you didn't know better then. Say then. But now, say now. Now. Then and now. There's a difference. Or it should be, right? (laughs) But now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. We're supposed to be like our Creator. We're supposed to be made in His image. And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. Not what you say you believe, but according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time here as temporary Residents, you know this is not our permanent home. Praise the Lord. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from that empty life you had inherited from your ancestors. Would anybody agree that was an empty life? And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which loses their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, the most precious substance. In all of creation, in all of the universe, the very blood of God Almighty. Think about that. The blood of God, the life-giving flow, the red blood of God Almighty. So what is this holiness stuff? Well, I know what it means to me, my perception of reading the Bible and stuff. I, I thought, let's look in the dictionary and see what... The dictionary says, I looked in the Merriam-Webster dictionary. I think that's pretty much, I think he was a Christian, so he might have a clue. It says three things. The first one, it says, exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. Hey, he's got it, hitting it nail right on the head there. 
He's exalted and worthy of complete devotion because he's what? Holy, he's goodness, he's got goodness and righteousness. The second one just tripped me out. It said divine, and then it quotes the Bible. It says, for the Lord our God is holy, Psalms 99. No. I thought, hey, that's good when a secular Bible quote, I mean a secular dictionary quotes the Bible to have to tell you what something means. He didn't go to the Quran and say, Allah is holy. But he went to the source and said, the Lord God, Jehovah, (laughs) is holy. And then the third thing it says, devoted entirely to the deity or the work of the deity. That sounds like our part. So we're supposed to be holy like he's holy. He's holy because he's exalted and worthy of complete devotion. He's divine. And we're holy because we're devoted entirely to the deity or the work of the deity. Didn't know I could preach the dictionary, did you? Man, it's, it, wherever you look, there's good stuff. <clears throat> when I was growing up in Memphis on the mean streets of Whitehaven, I had a buddy, and we'll just call his name Sam because I don't want you to know his real name. Some of you probably already will, but because you've heard enough of my stories. But Sam, he was probably 14 or 15 at the time when this story took place. And uh, he had saved his money and bought him a Kawasaki motorcycle. Of course, he wasn't old enough to have a license, but it didn't matter, you know. Back in those days, it was a little bit different. I think it was like a Kawasaki 400. It may have been a 450. I'm not sure, but it was an ugly old beat-up thing. But it, he got it running, and, man, he was up and down the streets all the time. Well, one day I went over to his house, and he had his back turned, and I saw him working on the motorcycle. And I, and I noticed the motorcycle looked a little bit more raggedy than I had seen it before. And then when he turned around, he looked a little bit more raggedy than I had seen him before. And I said, what happened? He said, dude. You're not going to believe this, man. You know how I don't have third gear and a back brake? He said, I was coming around the corner like this, man, and I looked up, and there was a car. He said, I pressed on the brake. I forgot I didn't have a brake. And he said, I hit it head on, and I went flying, man. I was up in the air doing this number. He said, I landed in the yard. He said, thank goodness I'm still alive. I said, thank goodness. You got to be careful, man. Well, about a week later, I come over his house again. He's got the thing up on the stilts again, working on it again. <laughs> I said, uh, Sam, what's going on? He's all bruised up, got welts all over his body. He's got scratches on his knees and elbows, look like he'd been through a meat grinder. I said, what happened this time? He said, you know at a Southland Mall over there where all the older teenagers hang out and party? I said, yeah. He said, dude, I was driving down Shelby Drive, man, and I was going to show out, you know, so I popped a wheelie, man, and I was coming through there about 50 miles an hour on a wheelie, man. I was riding it. They was like, yeah. He said, all of a sudden, my clutch thing stuck on me, and it it threw me, and I was like the $6 million man. And I rolled, and man, it was, it was embarrassing, man. They had to get me and put my bike in the back of somebody's truck to get me home, you know. <laughs> I said, dude, I told you to be careful, man. I'm not kidding. It was 
just a couple weeks later, I came over his house, and he wasn't out front. I didn't see his motorcycle. I said, maybe he's not here, but I'll knock on the door. I knocked on the door. Sam's mama come to the door. Guess what she said? Yeah, she'll tell you later. <laughs> Today's message is entitled Tweaking God's Nerves. <laughs> because people have been known to have a head on collision with God's patience. And pop a wheelie on his nerves and try to flee his authority. Turn to Isaiah, the first chapter. We're going to go back and look at a situation where God had to have Isaiah preach a message to his people, the Israelites. Isaiah 1. The second verse. I still hear pages. I'm glad I hear pages. I'm glad I'm in a church where I still hear pages turning. That's good. <clears throat> I know we're, we're, we're technical now and we got it on our phones and stuff, but I still like to hear those pages turning. Isaiah, first chapter, verse 2. It says, listen, O heaven, Isaiah says, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. He says, the children I raised and cared for have rebelled against me. Even an ox knows its owner, and a donkey recognizes its master's care, but Israel doesn't know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. It's hard to not recognize. You've got to go out of your way not to recognize God's care for you. How did you even get here, okay? You've you got to try hard to deny the existence of God and his goodness in your life. He got you here today, didn't he? After all you've been through and tried not to get here, you got here. <laughs> Verse 4, he says, oh, what a sinful nation they are. Loaded down with a burden of guilt. They are evil people, corrupt children who reject the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. Why do you continue to invite punishment? You know, when you turn your back on God, that's all you're doing is inviting punishment into your life. And it ain't necessarily going to have to come from God. Because whatsoever man soweth, that will he also reap. Somebody got some King James in them. Reapeth. Who said that? <laughs> that will he also reapeth. <clears throat> All right. He says, must you rebel forever? Your head is injured. Look, your heart is sick. You are battered from head to foot, covered with bruises and whelps. Sam. And infected wounds, without any soothing ointment or bandages, your country lies in ruins and your towns are burned. 
your Kawasaki's in bad shape. <laughs> Foreigners plunder your fields before your eyes. This ain't even funny. Why am I laughing? <laughs> it's, it, we have to laugh because it's so painful. Nobody wants to see their parents say these kind of things. How many of you are a parent? When, when your parent used to say these kind of things to you, don't you see? Can't you open your eyes? Don't you see we care? How much we love you and you just don't. And we just, uh, whatever. It's like the Snoopy teacher or whatever. The, Charlie Brown. Walk, 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 walk. You wasn't listening to Lee. But now that you're parents, you're trying, you're pouring your heart out. You know, I love you. Don't do this. This is hurting you. Don't you understand this path is the wrong path? Foreigners plunder your field before your eyes and destroy everything they see. Beautiful Jerusalem. Stands abandoned like a watchman's shelter in a vineyard, like a lean-to in a cucumber field after the harvest, like a helpless city under siege. If the Lord of heaven's armies had not spared a few of us, we would have been wiped out like Sodom and destroyed like Gomorrah. Listen to the Lord, you leaders of Sodom. Listen to the law of God, people of Gomorrah. Do you recognize the time in which we live? It is so getting so wicked that pretty soon God's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah because if he lets us go on like this and he destroyed them. Verse 11 says, what makes you think I want your sacrifices? Says the Lord. I'm sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. Especially today that the... The lamb slain from the foundations of the world has laid down his life on Calvary. The blood of God has been spilled. He, he don't get any pleasure out of our sacrifices and our burnt offerings. When you come to worship me, who asks you to parade through the courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgusts me. As your, for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days for fasting, they're all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual feast. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. When you lift up your hands in prayers, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen, for your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. These are people who are making a show of godliness but denying the power of religion. They're playing church. It says, wash yourself and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight and give up your evil ways. What are you holding on to? Learn to do good. Listen, here the Father's starting to come out. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the cause of widows. Come now. Let's, let's settle this. You see, God is so reasonable, and he's ever reaching out to us. He's just telling us the truth so we can know what to expect if we continue down the path. Look, dude, there's a, that road is a dead end that you're on. Well, I'm just going to find out for myself, you know. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make you as white as snow. 
Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. If, say if. If you will only obey me, you'll have plenty to eat. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, don't shut me off today. If you turn away and refuse to listen, you'll be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. See, God don't even have to bring the judgment. You're bringing the judgment on yourself. Your enemy's sword. The devil, the devil will make sure that the wages of your sin get paid up. Man, if we really, if we really love God, and we're not just these religious folks, we don't want to hear that kind of speech from our Father. That would be the last thing that we would want to make him go through if we love him. God saying, I can't stand it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Choose between your religion or your relationship with me. Let's get real. That's what God's saying here. Let's get real. How about let's get real? Let's cut through everything and let's get real today. Last week I asked the question, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer was... Yes. yes <laughs> I liked it. Is the Passion Church welcome mat out for everyone who comes through these doors? Yes. Will we love and accept everyone who comes through those doors? Yes. Amen, Pastor. But aren't we also obligated to help people grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, we are. To encourage each other to live lives, holy lives, acceptable to God. We have an obligation not just to sit here and play religion, but to be moving towards holiness, to be walking in the power of the Spirit that God called us to walk in. It's certainly not the easiest generation to do that in, I'll give you that. I mean, if we wanted to add it, we wanted to have a list of excuses that we could pull out, well, there's plenty of them. Well, you know, everywhere you turn, your eyes are being contaminated. It's like, oh, give me some blinders so I don't have to look. How can you keep yourself holy when everywhere you look in this generation? But you know what? We're the ones called to live in such a time as this. If you weren't able to do it, God wouldn't have put you here. He'd put you back in the 1400s somewhere and living off on a farm by yourself or something. But you're the one here. You were called for such a time as this. You have the power. We have power that they didn't have back in the day. We have knowledge that they didn't have. We have resources. We can live a holy life. Gary mentioned the other day on the phone to me, he said he wants to do a, a study on all the scriptures in the Bible that say in the last days or in the end times or whatever. Gary, I hope you don't mind. I stole some of those to use in today's message. I stole them. 2 Timothy, verse 3 says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days... Say last days. First, do y'all believe we're in the last days? How could we not be? It would be depressing to think we're not. Where would we go from here? <laughs> that in the last days, there will be not just difficult times, but very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud and scoffing at God. 
disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. Do y'all see any of this going on? They will consider nothing sacred. They'll, they'll scoff at God. They'll say, well, holiness, smoliness, you know. Who needs that stuff? I don't need any of that. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. That's the deal. No self. They have no power to control self. Of course, we didn't either before we were born again. We were at the mercy of self. But once we got asked Jesus in our heart, he sent his spirit, and now we're alive. Now we have the Holy Spirit. Now we have the same power to raise Christ from the dead living in us, able to raise our mortal bodies and overcome self, to live a victorious life. But these people have no self-control. They are at the whim of whatever they desire. They will be cruel and hate what is good. And if you look around today and you listen to the news, it's like, what are y'all's idea of good? What is because they have turned good evil and evil good, and, and then at a whim, they'll change it back in the middle of an argument with you. It's like, I don't know how to talk to you guys. Y'all have perplexed me. They will betray their friends. They'll be reckless, puffed up with pride, and they love pleasures rather than God. And some of this, sadly to say, is people who profess to be Christians. They they say they love Jesus, but if their flesh wants to do something that's that's unpleasing to God, they say, I love God, but I got to do what flesh says. They give in to pleasures. No (laughs) self-control. They will act religious. But they will reject the power that could make them godly. See, there's a big difference between religious and godly. A pious showing, a fooling yourself, thinking, and really knowing God. Really loving God. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. But it's, man, I promised I wasn't going to get so hard on everything today, but I do it anyway. It's just the preacher in me coming out. But <clears throat> where was I at before I interrupted myself? All right, religion versus godliness. Some people would just rather make a show. They deceive their own selves. They say a prayer and they think, man, I'm good. I got my ticket to ride. Let the party begin. Eat, drink, and be merry. And what is the power that they reject? It's that Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit was given to make us holy. It's the Holy Spirit. (laughs) When... In the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. It was until Jesus tore that veil and made our heart his dwelling place that he could send that Spirit into us, crying, Abba, Father. Send that Spirit into us that gave us the power to defeat sin. So we're really without excuse. Second Peter 3.3 3 says, most importantly, I want to remind you in the last days, say last days. Last days. I'm trying to keep you awake. 
Scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. You'll notice a trend here. Everything is about their desires, not God's desires. 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. In other words, when I begin this message, people will get up and walk out. Some of you are thinking, I'm not coming back anyway. I'll just, I'm going to bear it out so I don't embarrass myself. But I'm not coming back because he's preaching holiness. Because I love you. <clears throat> but some people will not listen to sound and wholesome teaching. I hope that's not you. They will follow what? Their own desires. And will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. You know what? I care more about your heart than I care about your ears. Scratch your own ears. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, only the truth will set you free. And only a life devoted to holiness will bring you the peace that your heart desires. Let me say that again. <laughs> only a life devoted to holiness will give you the peace that your heart desires. I'm not saying that you're perfect and that you won't make mistakes, but I'm talking about a life devoted. I'm talking about a life that gets up, and if I miss it, I'm sorry, God, I'm getting back on track. I'm devoted to do your will, to follow your desire, because I know your desire is much better than my desire. My desire got me into trouble in the first place. I am preaching real good today. I don't... <clears throat> it's the Holy Spirit. Before I got saved, oh, uh, me and my friends may be driving around somewhere, you know, and we'd see a roadblock up ahead. We'd be like, we got to turn off here. <laughs> we was trying to figure out a way to go back that way. You know what I'm saying? We're stuffing, hiding stuff. Do I got my license? I don't know. You know, I don't know what's, I'm legal and what I'm not legal. <laughs> and sometimes it wouldn't even be a roadblock. It'd just be a police officer on the side of the road, and I'm doing the speed limit. I'm just paranoid, sweating bullets, you know, driving by. I don't, for no reason. But now that I've been born again, I can be driving by doing 75 and a 40. Hey, that's my man. <laughs> Not really, but, but that's the way I feel. They're my buddies now. I got no reason to fear them. Innocence is your best defense. Innocence is your best defense. How do you lay your head on the pillow at night and go to sleep knowing all the wrong you've been doing? I'm telling you, there's no peace like knowing you're right with God and you're at least doing your best. I miss it, man. But I'm quick to repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm a knucklehead. Please forgive me again. And 1 John 1.9 kicks in. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. See, that's the kind of relationship I want to live in. I just want to walk with him. If, if I wrong you, then I want to say I'm sorry to you. If I wrong God, I want to be quick to say I'm sorry. I don't want there to be separation. I don't want to run from him instead of run to him. See, this, 
I can't tell you as pastor how many people I see that are hooked up in the church and they're doing good and they make a mistake and then they say, well, I've messed up. I can't go back. And they, want, they stop coming to church. That's the exact wrong thing to do. That's what the devil wants you to do. Just say, I'm sorry, God. Learn to apologize and come back running home to God. If Christians are running from God, you're doing it wrong. You're just doing it wrong. That's not it. Matthew 13, 44, Jesus tells the parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered in a field, and in his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field. And that's the way I felt, man. When I found Jesus, man, I was like, I'm, I will give everything. This is the most important. That guy ran down to the pawn shop, hocked everything he had. What's wrong with you, guy? Why are you, why are you selling all your stuff? Man, I found something better than all this. He was so excited, it, was not, it meant nothing to him. And if you want to talk about somebody who had everything, let's talk about the Apostle Paul. He was highly educated. He was rich. He had honor, prestige. Everybody looked up to him. He had everything he want, could possibly want. But once Jesus wrecked his world, he says, in Philippians 3.8, he said, Yeah, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Oh, my goodness, for those who, who think a relationship with God, they boil it down to religion. That's so shallow. You're missing the best part that I may know him. It's, it's good that his, his hand is for us and he gives us blessing and he, he takes care of us and he provides and all that and gives us eternal salvation and all that. But knowing him is eternal life. Knowing him, the personal relationship, the, the mending of your broken heart by talking to your creator and letting him forgive you, heal you, Take away your scars and give you a fresh start, knowing he's for you and not against you. I'm telling you, knowing him is way better than playing religion. Why don't we just stop? We were not created to tweak God's nerves, but to please him. Pastor Rick Warren says God gave us shape. He uses shape as an acronym. S stands for something, H stands for something, A, you know how it goes. He says it's spiritual gifts, heart, well, I'm doing it backwards. Spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. God works in all those. He gives us spiritual gifts. When you're born again, you ask the Holy Spirit to come in, you are given spiritual gifts. Something supernatural that, that you were called to use for his kingdom. He gave you a new heart. He, he took out that stony heart that you used to have that was that selfish, nasty thing. He took it out and gave you a, a fleshly heart, the one he can mold, one who, has, who loves, has the capacity to love, knowing that the Holy Ghost is shed abroad in your heart. You know, he gave you a new heart. Then he gave, he gave each of us abilities. Even the lost people, you know, we all have 
natural abilities. For example, Michael Jordan's ability was to play basketball. Do you know what your abilities are? What about your personality? You know, we're all, that, that's who we are. Our soulish realm is expressed through our personality. You know, it comes out. And some are like, well, I don't have a pretty, very good personality. You know, I don't, I don't talk to people well. I'm, I'm socially awkward. Well, so am I. Ask anybody who talks to me one-on-one. They'll say, man, the guy is different when he, behind the pulpit, but when he talks one-on-one, he's socially awkward. <clears throat> I recognize that. Some of you are saying, I have no personality at all. I just don't think of anything to say. Well, God can use whatever you have. Maybe you're the one that's supposed to talk to other people who have no personality at all. Or maybe you're supposed to be the listener to somebody who does all the talking. I don't know. But God will use your personality, and he'll use your experiences. Everything that you've been through in your life was not by accident, unless you caused it, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> but, but, but even if we brought it on ourselves, all the things that we've been through or whatever, God will use it. He'll, he'll take all things and work them together for our good. Even if we've done dumb stuff, I ought to be the smartest guy ever. I've, I've done a ton of dumb stuff. But in doing the dumb stuff, I learn stuff. Some people preach better out of learning everything the hard way. I hope you don't have to do that. I hope you can learn from listening to somebody else who done it the hard way. But anyway, he takes your experiences. Each of us are shaped uniquely by God with purpose. I think that's on your sheet if you're filling it out. Now, guess what happens if we don't realize this? And many people don't. Some people don't even believe in God, don't never heard of Jesus. When they don't realize that they were created with purpose, they spend their time and their energy in the wrong direction. I did it for 32 years of my life. I spent my energy and my time in the wrong direction. Time I wish I had back, but, but I'm, I am what I am by the grace of God now. He saved me. He got me back on course. People who don't know their purpose, they begin to settle for whatever will be, will be, akuna matata. They're like those who have no hope in the world. They turn to things like drugs and alcohol. They turn to, to gangs. They turn to their friends for attention. They're just trying, they're, they turn to the pleasures of sin just to have, let's eat, drink, and be merry if this is all there is. But it's not all there is. This life is but just a moment. It's a breath. It's just the, it's just the doorway to eternity. You're at the threshold of a door. And it's just going to be a moment. And it's an important moment because right here at the threshold determines which door you go through. The devil is all too quick to accommodate people who feel there's really no purpose for me. We're all going to die and be in the dirt and dead like worms. And, you know, it's, it's, it. Has anybody ever read the book of Ecclesiastes? Or where Solomon the king is expounding on what life is like under the sun, meaning without Jesus. Man, it's depressing. 
he's like, we all live, we work hard, we collect all this stuff, it doesn't bring us any joy, and then we die and somebody else gets it. And I'm like, why are you putting this in the Bible? But, but it is true. Without the understanding, without being under the sun, without Jesus, all of it is meaningless. It's vanity of vanities. It's a shadow. It's a mist. It doesn't mean anything. It's worthless. If you don't have Jesus, you are hopeless. You are without hope in this world. In fact, your hope is in eternal gnashing of teeth. It gets worse from here. I've seen people in their hospital bed will not receive Jesus. They're about to die. Well, at least I'll stop all this suffering. No, you won't. It's about to get worse. Do I say that? I'm sorry that I'm shouting. Do I say any of this like I want people to go through that? I say it, I'm excited because I don't want anybody to be misconceived, misinformed. We exchange the truth of God for a lie when we don't know that we are created with purpose and that God's hand is in this and that he loves us and he cares for us. We've got to shake off that tremendously depressing lie from the pit of hell that we're, we're just out here on our own. God said in Jeremiah 1.5, he said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Before he was born, he was set apart. God already had a plan for his life every day mapped out. Read Psalms 139. You're called, each of you are called with a holy calling. It's a holy calling, not just a regular calling, a holy calling. 1 Peter 2.9 says you're a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, you were clueless. But now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received mercy. God's mercy. You're created to shine. Philippians 2.15 says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God. Shine like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. You are supposed to be different. Don't try to fit in. I just want to be like everybody else. You were not created to be like everybody else, you were given your own fingerprints, your own DNA, your own personality. You are the only one of you. You were created with care, delicately knit together in your mother's womb. Stay filled with the Spirit. He will lead and guide you into all truth. And living holy won't just please God. It'll please you. It will, it will allow you to become who God created you to be. Then there's no greater feeling than to be stepping right into the thing that you are. Right into that. What are you? Follow the Holy Spirit. Live holy and find out.
We're in the last days. Isaiah 61.10 says, I'm overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God. For he has dressed me in the clothing of salvation and draped me in the robe of righteousness. I'm like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. Man, I'm just so excited. What's more exciting than being a a groom or a bride dressed and ready for the marriage? That's what we're supposed to be. We are the bride of Christ. We're we're supposed to be getting ready for the marriage. We're excited. We're going to be united forever with our Savior. The time of running from God's grace is over, people. If you're running, don't run no more. If you're thieving, stop thieving. If you, you know, just, just stop. Acts 17.30 said, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now, remember then and now? Now he commands everyone, every where that includes you everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him in another place he says turn to me and live turn to me and live so i went over sam's house and knocked on the door i didn't see his motorcycle out front and sam's mama comes to the door yeah i said uh is sam here she goes, let me tell you what happened to Sam. Sam, I told him to go to the store and get me a Coke. He took off on his motorcycle. You know he ain't got no license. Anyway, the cops tried to pull him over because he didn't have no uh, blinkers and stuff, no taillight because they fell off in the last wreck. <laughs> and so they tried to get him. So my boy uh, Sam, whoo, my boy Sam, He took off. She started bragging. He ran around. He was all over the place. I heard he kept him on the chase for 15 or 20 minutes. They had to call on the radio and get officers to start chasing. Pretty soon, they had almost the whole Memphis police force chasing him. They chased him 15, 20 minutes. Couldn't catch him. He did 120 miles an hour down Shelby Drive. He went over there on airways and really let it go. He was jumping them hills. And she was just a bragging. She said finally he had to, there were so many cops chasing him, he had to jump up on the sidewalk. And when he did, he was riding down the, the uh, sidewalk 55 miles an hour. And one of the police pulled over and opened his door and he ran into it and did a $6 million man. <laughs> she said they had already told me he... He run from them so long, they came and told me he's running from them. So I was out there trying to find where he is. When I found where he is, I got out there, and they was putting him in the back of the police car. She said, I yelled at them policemen. I said, if he'd have had third gear in the back brake, he'd have never caught him. <laughs> True story. Newsflash, mama. We're all missing third gear in the back brake. And none of us can outrun the law or the wages of our sin. Mm. 
I don't know about you, but personally, I got tired of living from one wreck to the next. One disaster, one fiasco. Man, my life was full of them. Just one calamity, whatever you want to call it. I lived from one to the next. I got tired of listening to all those people trying to persuade me to stay down there in the pig pen with them. I got to realizing they ain't really my friends at all. They just trying to make themselves feel better. I'm starting to talk like her. <laughs> That's right. God's reasoning started making sense to me. <laughs> Why don't we just let love one out? Let righteousness have his way. You know that's what you were created to be. Holy, righteous, with purpose, with cause. Man, that sin is a lie from the pit of hell. Those earthly, sensual pleasures that you're indulging in, they're not worth it. They're just temporary. And they always got a hook in them. And oh, man, when the payday comes, those wages ain't what you want to end up with. Well, the good news is old Sam, he finally traded his daredevil helmet in for a helmet of salvation. He's leading his church at praise and worship right now. Fives can change. Yous can change. We alls can change. I wrote this, and we'll close. If we gave our life to Jesus, as many have done, we should live our life for Jesus because that's what he did for us. He gave his life to us and he lived his life for us. It's always the, we always get the better end of the deal when we enter into covenant with God. God who is love. God who is forgiveness. God who is... Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.